Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on jewishcoffeehouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Welcome back to the Francisca Show. Today's episode is extremely special because it marks the 250th episode on this podcast. And to celebrate, we are doing a musical episode, Back to the Basics, what we used to do for the first two and a half years of the show. We are doing an interview with one of the biggest stars in the Jewish industry today, the female Jewish industry today, Bracha Jaffe. So it's been really fun going back and asking those similar questions we've been doing the first few years on the show. In theme, Orthodox Conundrum this week, yes, another podcast on the Jewish Coffeehouse Network. The other ones are Intimate Judaism and Chochmat Nashim and Let My People Eat, which you should all check out. But this week on the Orthodox Conundrum, you will be hearing from me, yay, as well as Hanala and Carrie Barcone, also known as Rebison Tap, all interviewed on a panel about female singers and the Kalisha space. So definitely check that out. I will link it in the show notes. The throwback episode for today is the interview with Devorah Schwartz. If you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, promote your brand, or just anonymously contribute to this work, please don't hesitate to reach out. We also have a WhatsApp discussion group so you can join and contribute in the conversation there. Otherwise, buckle up because we're getting started. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Francisca Show. Today with us, we have Bracha Jaffe, the one and only. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Great. It's so nice to have you. Thank you. I think this is the third time that we, we have attempted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful that we're doing this finally. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for persisting. So we'll start this episode just like we do every other show. We'll have you introduce yourself, talk to us about your religious upbringing and your professional background. Okay. So my name is Bracha Jaffe. I am an Orthodox female woman from Reno birth. I was raised in an Orthodox home. And my profession is, I have two professions, really. I'm a, a women's health nurse practitioner by education and trade. And then I am a Jewish female singer by pursuit of hobby and desire to sing and love for music. By night. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's by night. I think it's actually full time at this point. I'm actually not practicing as a nurse at the moment. Um, for the past year, I, I had to take a break from nursing in order to um, give the attention that the music needed that I was, you know, as the as the demand started to come in, I had to reallocate my time and my prior, like where I was going to focus my energy on. And so now I'm full time singing as a, you know, a Jewish female singer. And so it's really full time. And for all the men out there who are listening and have no idea who Bracha Javi is, she is one of the top stars pop stars that we have today in the jewish female space thank you so I, yeah. in the orthodox jewish female so the, the, in, in, i wouldn't i would thank you in the kolisha space yeah. in the kolisha well, space thank you very much wow that's like a that's a that's a huge role that you're putting me into to step into i hope i can I, I think the, the quitting of the nursing already explained that for everyone <laughs> okay besides for having you on and talking to you i'd love to hear how you started out and how Things have transitioned. We've dedicated the first few years on this podcast talking about this movement and the space and the women have shared all the struggles and frustrations of this space. So before we talk about the glam and beauty of what it's like today and what 
you can possibly charge today and what organizations are willing to do for women like you. Let's start from the beginning. Like, what was it like when you were starting out and what did you start with? So I do not see this career path as anything like, like you said, as glam and beauty. I, 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 I guess in this conversation, um, we'll sh- I, I would shift the perspective a little bit of what it is, what got me started. So I was a young girl. I love to sing. My parents were very into pursuit of, you know, hobbies and talents and enjoying what you loved. And I showed a strong desire for music. And so they were very, very supportive. And I have so much gratitude and a car to them for them giving me the first platform to use my strengths and meaning that first platform, meaning just being at home and being able to sing. And my mother would deal with me jumping around in the kitchen and singing while she was trying to prepare dinner. And she would always say, like, could you could you stand straight for a second? Like, could you focus for a minute? Because I'd be always singing around the house. She would knock on the door of my shower. So I'm talking about like the regular, what a regular girl would say her platform is. My platform was my home. And my parents were just very supportive of it. And I, you know, took piano lessons. And then when I asked for voice lessons, they thought it was a funny request, but they went with it and they allowed me to continue to thrive and grow within the setting of my friend's family school home. And so that's how it started for me. And then I started to, I auditioned for an all-girls choir. At the time, there weren't many. I, I didn't get into one. I got into the second one that I auditioned for, Voices of Youth, run by Malky Ginniger. And that was when it just started for me. I started to just, I was in her choir for a few years and then became like a, a big soloist in the choir. And then she would take some of us around to sing with her. And then by word of mouth, things just started, oh, you know, Malki comes with this girl, Bracha, and then people would call and ask to book Bracha at a very young age. Like I'm talking about 15, 16 years old. I started um, doing that and performing for Chabad houses, for bas mitzvahs, for small events. And that's really... Like that was how it started. It started off by just me taking small opportunities. As you're doing this, you're still pursuing your education and you're looking for that practical, good Jewish girl lifestyle, right? Yeah, well, I, 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 w- I wouldn't say I was like the practical Jewish girl lifestyle. I would say I was just, I was always an out-of-the-box thinker and I never fit into it like a square or round. I mean, whatever she would have put on it. I was always like a little bit at, out, out, you know, my teachers had to like, always calm me down and, you know, like sort of put me back in my so-called police, but in the environment that I was in. But I was in school from till 12th grade and then went on to seminary and then on to college as a nurse. But yes, I was doing this all while I was just like regular, regular youthful path. I wouldn't even say whatever it is that anyone would pursue a talent, whether it's like in the Jewish or non-Jewish setting, you know, you'd be doing so as a young girl and then just, you know, creating the opportunities that you want to within your scope. What was it like when you did do those gigs and performances? Did you feel like it was so fulfilling? Talk to me about that. I just like, I just loved it. I used to be very scared. I would get very, very nervous before. But it, I would say similar to today, there was always this just like elating feeling of connecting to people through music, celebrating something major in their life, whether it was a bas mitzvah or singing for somebody who was sick and you were like uplifting them when they just needed like, you know, a little pick me up and being there at those moments. There was just always this feeling of like, oh, wow, this feels like this, this feels like I'm doing something. I felt right. You know, you walk out of something and you just feel 
you know, when you feel good about something or when you just feel like something doesn't feel good, it just it felt like it felt good. And that kept pushing me. Like, even though I would have these pre-stage nerves or pre-singing nerves, I just, after I always felt like, wow, I just, I just did something good. Like it felt good. And were you getting paid at that point to perform? <clears throat> so um, I was doing a mix of both. I was getting paid very minimally when I was young. If I were to get paid, like if I was getting called to do a job, I, I did get paid. But a lot, a lot of things were volunteer to come sing for someone who was, who was sick or in school productions and plays, which is just normal. But yes, I would get paid for certain events. And it wasn't so common yet at the time. This wasn't a normal thing yet. No, right? No, I was like, I was embarrassed to tell my friends that I was going to sing at a bat mitzvah. I was like, I was mortified. Like it wouldn't be something I would brag about. It was why because it wasn't a thing. There was like, you know, a few. Like there was, there wasn't even big motivators. There were a few like dance motivators and very, very, very small, like very two, two popular ones. And otherwise we did an activity at someone's bat mitzvah, challah baking, a craft project. Like it wasn't something that existed. And I imagine you probably sang a cappella many times and maybe people giggled at you. <laughs> it was a very unusual still. I didn't sing a cappella. I always, I actually tried not to do that. I always tried to find ways to come across as a as a professional. So I actually did really funny things as a teen. I would call like producers of like Yakov Shwaki and like MBD and like whoever it was then and they were singing a popular song and I wanted to sing it and I would be like, can I use your track? Or Malki would make sh- things for herself and she would rent them to me. So I would rent them from her. But I did start to like slowly, slowly figure out ways that even though I didn't have the resources to let's say pay for my own music, to, to figure out ways. I remember having a conversation with a very big producer at the time and him saying to me, why should I give it to you for free? And I said, I'm not the competition. I'm actually, I'm going to actually promote the song for the singer. By me singing it, it just shows that it's a popular song. I don't have the resources to pay for it. I'm singing for a small audience, all female audience. Why would it be like, why would it be any issue? And I remember him saying to me, okay, I'll give it to you, but you can only use it for one time. And I was like, and he's like, if you ever want to use it again, you have to call me again. And I would be like, okay, I'll call you again if I ever want to use it again. And he would get the phone call again from me, trust me, every time I wanted to use it. This was like one of, this was literally the biggest Jewish producer at the time. I remember having this conversation. I was this little teenager when he was like this 50-year-old man. And I had to speak up for myself, but I had to have a lot of grit from a young age for this. It sounds like the seeds are being planted for what you're doing next. Okay. And was there any backlash? Did any of those producers or Malki or anyone tell you, you know, don't focus on this, put your efforts elsewhere? The opposite. I was told by everyone to not pursue nursing. Interesting. I was told by every person who, except for my parents, who were very, very supportive of me wanting to be a nurse and me you know, doing whatever it was that I found. They loved my music. They didn't know that it would be a full profession or career, so, but they weren't like against it being a full profession or career. But when I said I wanted to be a nurse, they were very supportive of that. And they let me continue with my music. But actually by the people who knew me as a performer or as a singer would tell me, no, no, you should not, don't, don't do nursing. Actually, Malki was the person who literally said to me, Bracha, don't become a nurse. And I was like, why? She's like, you could do this full time. And I, I, I thought she was hysterical at the time. I thought she was like, you're kidding me. Like, what? No. Okay, so when does this become more full time? And people, and you start your own vocal practice where you're teaching voice lessons. So I was teaching um, voice lessons. I was giving vocal coaching lessons since I was 16. I was actually teaching for Malki at the time. I had um, 
you know, I was, I was, it was an evolution because I was learning as I was teaching. I wouldn't say I was necessarily like, I find it funny now thinking that I was like a vocal coach, but I, I really was. I was, I was very curious and I kept, you know, pursuing more classes and lessons for myself and learning different techniques and then applying them as a teacher. Okay. Why are you uncomfortable saying this? I, I think that like, honestly, today I think to myself that a vocal coach is someone who is, it's a real profession. It's like, I think about my vocal coach, he is a tenor in the most trained classical setting. He went to music school. He's an expert in his field. And here I was at 16, year old, 16 years old calling myself a vocal coach. So I was more, I would say like, I felt like I could say I was a choir leader, <laughs> but I was titled as a vocal coach. And then, but through my experience and learning with some of the top, 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 top vocal coaches in the tri-state area, and also some via video, et cetera, taking many classes and courses. I think that at this point in my life, I am, I am able to call myself a vocal coach. But at that time, I, I find it funny. But listen, you know what they say, your dreams have to fake it till you make it. And also your dreams have to be bigger than you are. You know, like For sure. then you're not, if you're not dreaming, you're only dreaming if they're bigger than what you're experiencing at the moment, you know? So, you know, they say, taste your dreams. So when you were getting married, was this something that was a concern, an exciting element of you? What was it like? Um, no, no. Um, so I, I... You kept it a secret? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, no, it was very, very out in the open. Rafa Jaffe, becoming a nurse, singer, performer. I remember my mother-in-law being so... When she got the information of me, actually, the person who used to, you know, help me on my end of the Shadokim said, like, oh my gosh, I'm so impressed with this with this boy's mother. She... Like it's totally cool and accepting of everything that's that's you, and I'm like, that's great. That's a really good sign. And with my husband, 16 years later, we're still married, so it was a good sign. I, I got like one comment about like a singer, like what she needs to be in the spotlight all the time. Like I got one comment from one shit off kind of matchmaking um, experience, but it just I knew it wasn't for me. Anybody who would say that is not in my element of where I, you know, like where I could put myself in that moment. So I needed someone who was very open and willing and understanding of me being someone who pursued something that wasn't necessarily run of the mill or regular run. When do you put out your first music video? Talk to me about that. So actually some of my first, I don't know what the first one was, but some of my first music videos were totally private. They were for fundraisers for organizations. So they came to you and said, please do this. We'll pay you. We'll cover all the video fees, video fees and your, and your fee. And then it, it's for their event, meaning they're having an all-female event. They want to create something that is going to target their audience. Help us do that. And those were your first music video projects. Yeah. I'll also, I'm going to want to know about your artist part. Do you write your own music and words or do you use other people's music? And how do you work with that? So in the beginning, I would be hired by different, like, you know, uh, a producer or someone who was um, there to, you know, create an event. And they would say, you know, at this part of the event... We want to show some sort of musical entertainment. We heard about you. Could you do X, Y, and Z? Actually, oh, not sure what came for. I was actually, I acted in one music video in the early, early in the beginning, and then I went into a song. Another one, I just, it was very early on. I was just singing in the background. It was my voice with the images in front. And those were the early, early works. Like when I was really young, I'm talking about 19, 20 years old. And then later on, it developed into, it just kept growing. Like every, every experience, I would say, every, I can't say that there wasn't a single experience that I've had that didn't lead into another one in my life until today. 
Was there any point where you had to consult a Rav or see, you know, is this a line that has, are we crossing something? Are we not? Did that occur any at all? Always. I always speak to, you know, rabbinical guidance and leaders. Always. But give me some examples of what, what brings you to a rabbi. I just recently asked again, is it still okay for me to be putting my music on public platforms? I just asked this question. It was a week ago. I want to make sure that it's really okay at what I'm doing. And I was told 100% by my Rav that what I'm doing is totally okay and that I should keep going and I shouldn't stop. And although there are moments where I feel like I need to stop or I feel let down because, you know, there are always people, you're always, every, every good in this world is going to have equal, you know, there's yin and yang, there's good and bad. It's just, it's just the way the world is. It's the way energy is in this world. You have to accept that. We have to realize that, that there's always going to be opposite, opposing forces. I, I really do believe that. I, I really try very hard to do what I'm doing with good and positivity and follow the guidelines of what a Jewish Orthodox woman should be doing. Um, I try very hard. And also with what I'm comfortable with, how to, how to portray myself also because I'm a mother to five young children. You know, how do I do that in a healthy way? So I'm always checking myself and my boundaries, and also halakhically. It's very important to, to reiterate that there is difference between halakhic, Jewish law, and then minhag, which is, you know, the way... Jewish custom. Jewish customs, the way, yeah, exactly, it's done. So halakhically, I always check in, and then I also check in hashkafically for myself, what I'm comfortable with, and making sure that I feel like I'm setting a good example and I'm a good role model to young girls today. And it's, it's constant. And I think that without doing so, anyone, I think it's very important for everyone to do so in whatever field they are. But then you start to lose sight. Like when you get too comfortable, you lose sight of what you started off, what you started off and what you wanted to achieve in the beginning. So I never, I really don't want that to happen to me. I literally sat down for quite a few hours last week after, you know, some, something that threw me off. Was it the Baltimore performance last week where two rabbis in Baltimore came out against uh, your concert, which is the second time because when you were performing in London before your concert there, the rabbis also came out against your show, but it was all fully sold out anyway. And they came out after and apologized. No, first of all, yeah, I don't want to, I, I am very, it's very important for me not to mention names. So yes, there were, there were, I had a lot of pushback both in London and then I almost had some, some, some real pushback in Baltimore. Didn't go as far as it did in London. Okay, tell us what happened in London. Um, you had a concert hall with how many people capacity? 1,500. So listen, I want to just say this, okay? In Judaism, it's very hard to see things positively when you're going through a hard time. But there are many different communities and many different leaders. And everyone has their leader. You know, it says, you make, your, you make yourself a rabbi, a leader that you're going to follow. And that is an individual choice. And it is not my responsibility or my job to tell someone that the way they are leading their community is wrong. And so I will never say that. And I respect all, you know, Jewish leaders who feel like they need to lead their communities a certain way. I am, you know, I follow my Rav and it might not be your Rav, but it's my Rav, the Rav that I made for myself. And with that guidance, I lead my life and I trust that by following his guidance, and checking in with my spouse and with the people who love me and myself that I feel good about what I'm doing, that I'm doing the right thing. And like we said, there's always equal forces in this world. And I do very much believe that 
what I'm doing is very good for today's young girls and today's, you know, the next generation of women in this world. I think that our girls need so much to have positive and healthy outlets. So I'm going to continue and I'm not going to back down, but I will do it with continued guidance constantly. Like I'm always going to follow the guidance of my um, rabbinim. And I think that's so, so important for people to know. And even, you know, in London, I got a lot of pushback and it was very, it was very hard for me because the hardest part for me more than anything is when it's, um, when it's, per- when it becomes a personal attack or maybe things are saying, are being said that aren't true about myself. But MS is MS and truth is truth. It will prevail. And Sheker dies. We know that, that lies don't last. And so I'm going to stick to my truth. And as I continue to stick to the truth of who I am, I think that it will just continue to go in the right direction. And it's how I just continue to check in on myself. Like, am I doing, am I doing this right? You know, I'm not, so I'm not justifying anything that was said or, or things that, you know, wrong against me. I will say that like London was a huge success for Hashem. We had a beautiful turnout. I'm so, so honored. And it was, and I just, and I will be back in London. I will be back in London. <laughs> when you do this, these tours, you're invited in by a local community and they set everything up and invite you as their... Not always. So what happens the other times? Um, so it's either by, yes, a local community. Like, um, you know, we're going to Australia, to Melbourne in, in two weeks, right after Shavuos. And we're going to be there on, on the 1st of June for a big concert with our entire team. And so that we were invited down to come, you know, they wanted us, they wanted to bring us down and we're super excited to be there. Different communities. We, I have, um, luckily I have an amazing production team and company under Zahav. That's my um, production team. And so sometimes my production team will decide, Hey, you know what? We're getting like an amazing amount of requests from London. I think we should go do a show in London. So then my production will open up shop and open up a box office in London, just like any other singer would like, just like, you know, we should be both coming to. Madison Square Garden, you know, the same, the same way they, you know, his production seems sees the need and that it's necessary and that it's going to do well. And so with much evaluation and assessment, if we feel that a community is going to respond well to something, then we'll go and sell tickets, open a box office in a different community. So London was as a have production. Talk to me about your team. How many people are on it? And did they take you on like a label would take on an artist or do you run the ship? So I wouldn't say I run the ship by myself. I I um I actually um was very lucky to meet my producer in like 2015, and um it's slowly you know I was working. I needed a producer at the time. I was I was requested to come sing for a very big show in Yerushalayim and B'nai Uma, and I realized that this was a shark that I could not tackle on my own. And so I had some small connections in the music industry, some valuable connections, relationships that I've built over time. And I you know made a call to someone. Actually, he's one of the biggest and most sought after, sought out after sound engineers, Baba. And I said, Baba, help me out. I need a producer. <laughs> like, I need a producer. And he's like, I have someone for you. And he introduced me to um, Shai. And Shai Bahar is my producer since then. And it's a relationship that, you know, started off for just like s- specific events. I would call him. I would say, I need a producer for this event. I need a pr- musical director for this event. I need a producer for this event. And then all of a sudden, it, it was like, wait, hold on. This is becoming something bigger. I'm going to come in with this full-time with you. So right now, it's full-time for... I have an amazing producer with me, Shai Bahar. I have an incredible manager. 
I don't know if she wants me to mention her name um, in full, and then um, who literally manages uh, my life. And then we have an amazing all-female band, which is incredible. We rehearse, we are in touch, we we gig together every, everywhere. They want a female band with Bracha. Um, there's Bracha Jaffe and her Zahav band. And then we recently started to partner up with um, incredible, more like technical producers and also a marketing team as well. So it's it's growing. We toured LA, Florida, and Baltimore with the same team of um, technical sound, lighting, and you know music. How many people was that? Uh, we flew <clears throat> to nine nine people. Was it business class, economy, first class, or private? <laughs> well, that's so nice. Um, no, we're still we're still we're you drove we're no, no, on a tour bus. We, no, we, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we're flying. Um, everyone mostly yeah economy. No, we just need to know what we're dealing with here. Do you write your own music? So right now, yeah. Um, so I've always written my own music. I never released my own music because the, the female industry has changed drastically. It used to be like I would be called and they would say, okay, could you please sing Yakul Shweki's song this? And could you please sing this song and that song and that song? And there's always covers. And I was like, okay, they just want to hear me sing their songs. So I never um, really released my own material. I actually have a full album out there that I brought back like oldies um, because that's what people wanted to hear singing. MBD classics and Albert Freed classics. Um, and there was only one original song on that album. That was in 2012. But now I'm very excited to be working on my own material. I'm actually releasing one of my first for public, you know, listeners composition, um, Matze Shibuis. It's going to be coming out in two weeks. I have a song that's coming out that we just finished production for. And we have a full album in the works as well. So that's very exciting. Let's go back a little bit. Talk to me about the transition from private music videos to public music videos and what that was like? You know, a few years ago, um, I had someone who used to hire me. She was actually my first manager. She's not my manager now. It did not end off badly in any way. We just, you know, she was running an entire other business at the same time as managing me. And as I grew and her business was, you know, growing, she realized that she cannot run two full-time businesses at the same time. But I, at the time, one of my, someone who used to hire me for many events, you know, she called me up and she goes, listen, Bracha, you need to get out there on social media. She goes, you're, she just, she was like, you have an entire portfolio, your only word of mouth. She's like, this social media thing is taking off. You need to get on. And I'm like, no, I was like laughing. I'm not getting on social media. (laughs) Not me. I thought it was hysterical. I'm so not a social media person. No, really. Like, you know, laughs at me. She's like, I have to get on stories. It takes me like, it's really takes a lot of effort and strength and physical, emotional energy out of me. So when she called me originally, says me, you have to get on social media. I was like, I can't. I'm like, I can't. So we sat down and I I was like, you know what? I called her back like a week later and I said, you know what? I'm going to do it, but I I need your help. And she's just like super artistic and very talented and very, and she helped me really curate my profile to reflect who I am and what I want to portray as an artist before I came on. So we spent a few months figuring out how we were going to, I guess, brand Bracha Jaffe. And so with much thought and speculation and questions and running things by different people who I respected and admired, I came on to social media. And so it was pretty planned and smooth for me in the beginning. And that's how, so then once I started that, all of a sudden, I had a portfolio of over a decade of work um, that I had. So I was just, I just started putting out things that were already done. And then 
I already had my gigs booked and things were going and I just kept, you know, you know, keeping up with it. And then I realized I'm like, you know what? I don't want to just release what's being asked of me. I want to release what's an expression of myself as well. So I just started to create, do, I started to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do my own things. And so I remember my, the first music videos that I did completely independently during COVID, I did IA with Shane. With Shane D. Yeah. And then that was an idea that came to mind. And she's one of my really good friends. We did it together. And then I did an Isha Rebo medley. And that was just, you know, I was sitting in my kitchen and there's just those songs just flowed for me one into the next. And I just called a friend of mine who was also a student, but um, she's a friend, Chevy Vigler. And I said, let's do this in honor of, you know, Believe Achad, your incredible organization. And she said, sure, let's do it. And so we did that music video. And then I decided to do, I was speaking to Kyla Newhouse, who's a friend of mine since high school. We know we know each other for a very long time. And I, she says to me, I have a song for you. And she sent me this song. She sent me a few songs at the same day. And then she sent me this song. And I was like, um, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a big song for me. And I did this one. And this one was sort of, it was a real expression of my life's journey through personal things and through music. And I felt like it was a really, really important way to sort of kick off me releasing material that is original. original. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? What is your personal story slash expression? So, um, so we all have a story. Every single person has a story in their life, you know? Um, so I, people ask me what the story is behind the music video. So I'm just going to be honest. Every time we work on a vision for a music video or for a song, I always want people to tell their own stories through through it. I don't want to exactly give you my story and for you to interpret this as my story. So it's very important to note that the music video was done in a way that anybody who's watching it could tell a story, whether it's their own story or a story of someone that they know very well or something that just sort of speaks to them. It's not supposed to give you a clear-cut answer to what is going on with Bracha herself. And so it, that's very, very important. The song, This One Goes Out to You, was, you know, it's really a song that's, that's supposed to, it, we all go through many challenges in our life and nobody, and we, and we come out on the other side, smiling, stronger, character is different. Everything is different from every experience and passage in your life. And so, uh, but nobody, most times you don't have like an audience, like, you know, clapping for you. And so this to me was a very, very important song because First of all, in music, I really, really don't do it. As much as I'm so, so grateful for the audience that I have, it's an expression for me. It's a form of expression. It's a form of, of praise to um, to God. It's a form of me connecting to a, being a Jewish woman. And I don't need, I will never stop singing because I don't have an audience. It's really, really, it's it's food for my soul. I As since a young child, I just skipped around singing, like always. As I was a nurse, my my colleagues would say, do you realize you're singing? Like I would be dispensing medication, singing. It's li- it's literally the expression of me, of me being me. And so I, I never need that audience. And so it was, that was really, really important. Like it was an amazing message for me to do as like this debut kind of thing. And then um, as a personal, you know, we all go through our personal challenges, you know, whether it being, you know, you know, illness, divorce, death of a loved one, injury, as I, there's so many challenges one can go through in their lives. And 
when we go through these challenges in silence, mental health, we go through these challenges most of the time with ourselves. It's important to give tribute to like those hardships that you overcome, you know, and, and, and making it to the other end. And so, and that's where the, the idea of the song came from and the music video was, I know who you are, meaning I don't know exactly who you are. I see you. I see. I hear you. You know, I hear you. We, we, we walk, we walk, we all walk in a similar path in life. Some are harder, but we're all walking similar, similar pathways and just like respecting the people around us and admiring that we're all the product of our challenges and experiences. I want to use the rest of the time here to talk about the Kalisha space in general. You see it from your perspective and I'd love to know what you've learned, what you've seen change, what do you see for the future, but let's start with like what's going on now. If you had to like explain it to the men who don't see what's happening or to anyone who just joined our club of Jewish women and oh, hey, look, this never existed before. Now it does. Tell us in a nutshell what you know. I will say this that I used to, when people used to say, oh, my, when my father used to, she's a singer, I used to be like, Shh. like, don't say that. Because it was not something that was accepted. Like it was not, it was not a normal thing to be a female singer. And also we were a joke in the male industry. Female singers were a joke in the male music industry. I am so proud to say that we are not today. That when Avram Fried is doing a show or Isha Ariba is doing a show, I get a call and say, could you come? And I'm like, really? Like to me, it's like, ser seriously? Like it's like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of where it has come and I and I and I am so proud of my sisters who we just like all these amazing talented women including you, you Francesca who are just like keep going and keep doing and keep you know in a vulnerable state you know in a hard state when it's like not funded and you're not going to make money back and you're not going to whatever it is and you know you're not doing it for the views you're doing it for the fact that you have a talent that you were given something and you are going to share that with the world. And I think that that's so important for girls today. And this is, this is the most thing, the main important thing. As I was influenced by so many, so many, so many uh, musicians and singers growing up, Jewish and non-Jewish. Um, and I would say mostly non-Jewish. And, you know, our girls today will be dying to go hear the tour of the century, of the era, <laughs> may I say, And like everyone wants to get tickets for this incredible, amazing concert that's being hyped up on social media. And then here you go, you're flipping, you're flipping, you see this singer, you sing this singer, you sing this singer. And then all of a sudden you see Shady Potsker and you see Four Schwartz and you see Hanong and you see Francesca and then you see It's the Cold and then you see, you know, Chaya Kogan and you, and these are incredible. Like, and then, and so, and then they're like, oh, but I, and I, and on their playlist all of a sudden is like all those other influences plus us. And eventually it's going to be only us. And, and we, and it's going to be unhealthy songs, um, that encourage positive, you know, body image, positive Jewish, you know, ashkafos in life, teaching proper lessons, you know, and they're going to be singing on the top of their lungs and dying to go buy a ticket to that tour, not for the glam and for the fame and not for the stardom, but for the fact that we are here inspiring our youth to continue being Jewish princesses and Jewish girls. And I actually make like a very, I make an effort, like when I go on stage, not to be crazy about what I wear. I want to look respectable and, you know, and pretty and modest, but I, I try hard not to go for a lot of glitz and glamour. 
um, because it's not what it's about for me. It's about quality, incredible music that you want to sing and dance to with your friend next door to you and right next to you. I don't, I don't care if you know her or you don't know her, but you want to grab her hand and sing and dance on top of your lungs. And the band is tight and the music is good. And you're enjoying watching the person on stage because she's crafted her art and she loves what she's doing. What do you think it takes to make it in this industry? I think it takes a lot of dedication. A little bit, you need to have thick skin. You know, for what? We're still pioneering something that's not so accepted everywhere. It's not accepted for a woman to get on stage and sell out arenas of, you know, 5,000 people. But it, it's happening. It's happening. You know, we're selling out. And people and more and more people are noticing. But you need talent. You need talent. You need honesty from the people around you. You really, really, really need a good network of people. What do you mean by that? You mean if some if people are just cheering you on and you're not so good, but everybody's saying you're good, that's what you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's important, like, in every single thing. Like, I find it interesting how, like, as a nurse, like, I would be told very fast, like, you did that wrong. Error. You know, make, correct that, your notes or whatever it is. In music, in any talent, even in the art industry, you should be told the best artists are the ones that are told to, like, it was great, but here's where you can improve on, you know? And then they take that seriously and they improve. I literally have been in the studio with some incredible producers and they have said to me, this was like, go home, sleep it off. Let, we'll try again next time. And it's okay. And I've been told to watch hard shows that I don't feel like I did great on and sit and critique myself and work on getting better. And it's like anything that you're doing in life, you want to be good. You have to be willing to accept the fact that you're not, that it's not always going to be perfect. And you want to just keep only God's perfect. And you need to keep working on, on becoming better at what you're doing. Keep wanting to grow. Do you need money to make it or you could start off without any money? And you were a little vague in my questions, but how much of the projects you do are you investing in like with your production versus you're laying out all the money and if a rabbi comes out against your show and you don't sell out, all your money's gone. So I was, um, yeah, so I, I, I had that. I would say at the moment it would be 40% of my investment, you know, that I like really, really, really am putting in all the money into something, especially new material, new music videos, I don't expect to see the return on music videos like right away. I, I see the return like in getting hired and, you know, events that come after like you see people want to hire me because of the music I'm releasing and because of the singer that I am. So sometimes you're investing in the future. You're not always investing in the immediate return. I think that's you do need money. I think you have to invest in yourself. So if you're really good, you need to figure out a way to do it right. Take a loan. It doesn't have to be borrow some money from someone that you can, you know, work out a, like a paying back sort of situation. I, I many, many singers, not just female singers, have done it to start their path to, you know, to create, you know, to start their career. You do need to invest in yourself. And, and, and the music industry is not cheap these days. Video production is expensive. Music production, production is expensive. But I very much encourage my students, my people who ask me, do it right. I always say less is more. I much rather see you do a beautiful, simple music video by the water, one location, one camera done very, very, very well than trying to take that one camera and get 50 angles and then 50 different locations and then the editor isn't that great. You know, know what you're working with, and may, uh, but do whatever you're doing in the budget you have, maximize the potential. 
And that's really important. You could have a few hundred dollars budget and you can pull off the most beautiful thing if you are using your resources properly. What about any mistakes to avoid? Were there any? Make mistakes every single day. Give us some examples. What comes to mind for me is not setting proper boundaries or not figuring out the legal things about songs That's a, yeah, and no. using other people's songs. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm like, there's so, there's so many things. Everything has to be in writing. I want to just say that even with your even with your closest friends or someone calling you to hire you, you put, you put everything down in a contract. You write everything. You email everything. You're hiring your friend to be your videographer. You set the terms before. This is what you're expecting. How many how many hours you want her on scene? You know, she's doing the editing or he's doing the editing post-production. How many cuts you're asking for? Like, it's really all these things have to be very, very, very importantly laid out. There's so many different processes in every different part of the industry that you're working with. I've had mistakes of not, you know, I, I would say that my contract gets amended every single, with every single job because that's something else comes up every single time. Like, oh, I should include that in my contract from now on, you know? That's why when you buy a house, it's like a book. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't forget this. That's frankness. All right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like what I just had this conversation, you know, with another singer and she said, she goes, they kept me waiting for two hours. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, like two hour late fee, you know, um, that's $500 more to the, to the gig. You know, I, I had to wait around for two hours that I wasn't going to be waiting, you know, and that should be in your contract, whatever it is, you know, every time you're going to learn from your experiences, you're always going to be learning. Oh, yeah. and my most important thing, more than anything, I say this to every person I talk to, be open be willing. Don't be judgmental. Like love people because every people has something to, every person has something to teach you and you will learn from every person that you work with. Everyone ha wants a piece of you. How do you handle that? Everyone wants to collaborate with you. You know, you have the power to blow someone up and you've done it before. We won't name names because you don't like naming names. <laughs> How do you handle that? And you obviously you have to say no to things. How do you do that? This is one of my hardest challenges right now. I so appreciate you bringing this up, actually. I never had the opportunity to speak about this publicly. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I really, really, my biggest dreams would be to be able to, I always like, every time someone asks me, it's like, it's always like my heart sinks because it's like, I, I, I do want to collaborate and sing with everyone. And then I'll get, and the hardest thing is when I get a, a message, it will be such a show of unity or it will be, you know, and I'm like, I, I want to, I want to so badly but I have to think of, 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 how, of how many pieces of me I could split. I am, I'm running a full, a full production company right now. And we have six, every month is full of projects. How many projects do you have a month? I know you're always, you, you go two, three times a week to sing for somebody ill. We're, I got those numbers from you <laughs> with Devorah. Oh, and that was Devorah. I don't go okay. times a week. I, I try to go sing for people who are sick. It has to always, it always has to make sense within, um, within my kid's schedule. I, I learned that Fessit starts at home and being that I do fly out of the country at this point, it's monthly. I, I need to think about the fact that my kids need stability at home. So I try very hard to go sing. And when people ask me, I say, can we do a morning time or when my kids are in school? I rarely go out in the evenings when I don't, when it's not like a real hired event, because again, I'm taking away from bedtime and dinner time and I have five young kids and they need a mother at home. And when it comes to collaborating, so like that's the same concept. I need to think about the fact that I'm supporting a family together with my husband. I I have a certain amount of resources. I also, production value is super important to me, level of production. At this point, I really, really need to be, I need to be knee deep in every, more knee deep, chest deep in every single production I do. 
I am not, I can't just sing a, a segment in a song. I need to know what the music was created with. I, like I, in my last, this last production that's coming out, we sat with every instrument that was recorded. I listened to every mix, every sound. It's, I, I really, really care about the, 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 the quality of my production. I will say that I always want to help another, a woman, you know, whether it's giving her, if someone asks me for advice, like, I'll give you all the advice you need. And then again, I really, really try very hard to, to give of myself to some extent with collaborating. So for example, I was asked to collaborate with someone in the industry a while, a while, a while, a while back. She didn't forget. She didn't stop asking. Oh, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and, and, I said, and I said, yes, because there's, there's for so many reasons. And I'm like, you just have to be patient with me. It's going to happen. I want it to happen. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I just, it has to fall within the time that I, I want to dedicate my 100% being to every project that I can. So it has to fall into the scope of everything Bracha Jaffe. And that is Bracha Jaffe, who is, you know, flying to Australia for a week, who just came back from Florida and Baltimore, who was in Florida the week before for other things, event related. You know, like it has to fall into all of that. So it's on the list. We go over the list. So we have a meetings. We have a weekly meeting for production every week on Thursday mornings. And it goes over, okay, we're, you know, what's, what's taking precedent at the moment and then every day at night from nine to two we are worrying about Rafa Daffy to have production and then two o'clock comes I want to make sure dinner's going and then I'm ready for my kids to come over from school and do homework and bath time and it's it's the difference it's the balance of a of an orthodox religious Jewish mom who is also pursuing her career and so as a as an artist and I, I want to be able to balance both those and give 100% of myself to both of them and that's not always perfect and most of the time when I leave town, my kids are so mad at me and it's hard, but we talk about it a lot. We constantly explain it. And so when it comes to, sorry, back to the collaborating thing, whenever I say no, I'm never saying no. It's not that I don't want to ever. I wish I could. And like you said, I'm honored that you said that I can shoot off someone's career. Thank you for that. It was so nice talking with you. And I'm so happy we finally did this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening until the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Go listen to Bracha Jaffe's music. Go recommend her music to other people. Don't forget about Francisca. Go listen to my music and recommend my music to other people. Go on over to Orthodox Conundrum and listen to the latest episode on that show. This is a Jewish Coffeehouse podcast. If you would like to be a sponsor of the Francisca show, please do reach out. I love hearing from you. Join the WhatsApp discussion group. Next week, we will have an interview all about psychedelics and have a great week. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.